Ladies and gentlemen, your conference call is about to begin. Here is your moderator, Ms. Marilyn Stern. Thank you, Joanne. Welcome, everyone. I'm Marilyn Stern, Communications Coordinator for the Middle East Forum. Our topic for today, Israel's Gaza Policy. Today's guest speaker will update us and offer his perspective on Israel's policy to address the Gaza problem. The Forum is honored to welcome IDF General Gershon Hakohen, who will be briefing us from Israel. A senior research associate at the Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies, General Hakohen served in the IDF for 42 years, commanding troops in battle on the Egyptian and Syrian fronts. Formerly a corps commander, he was also a commander of the IDF Military College. We'll now hear from General Hakohen. General? Yes, and good evening. For me, it is evening, yes. Can I begin? Yes, please proceed with your briefing. Okay, great. Hello. Uh, first of all, about the potential of a Hamas threat in Gaza. Um, people can try to describe it as a, a terror potential threat, but it is much more than that. Um, actually, especially since the uh, disconnection from Gaza in 2005, and the revolution and uprising of uh, Hamas to take the government of Gaza, the control of Gaza, uh, they really succeeded to build a well-formed military organization. It is absolutely military organization regarding every aspect. It means uh, they are built in units, well-formed battalions, brigades, and headquarters, including very uh, modern uh, systems for uh, control, communication control, what is called C4, etc. Beyond that, they succeeded to organize themselves in uh, three functions or three efforts. One and the first important to Israel, and it is a real threat against Israel, is the rockets. The rockets could uh, attack in the range of Tel Aviv, as happened in 2014, uh, uh, just three years, uh, four years ago. And uh, they succeeded to organize themselves with a lot of rockets uh, to create a very concrete threat. Actually, in 2014, they succeeded to destroy, not to destroy, to attack Ben-Gurion Air Force and to stop it for one whole day. It is the only international airport in Israel. This is one effort. The other effort is the defensive effort. They are organized in the cities, in the refugee camps, and in the front. In a very intensive way, including uh, in tunnels and uh, organization underground, and they are really ready to carry a defensive uh, warfare against the Israeli armor and infantry that trying or could try in the next war uh, to penetrate Gaza. The third effort 
with the effort of commando, with the well-trained uh, units that could attack Israel. Uh, it could be through the tunnels that are always digging under the Israeli land to leave the forces behind the, the border and the fence of the border. And uh, they could do that even uh, without coming from the tunnels. And they are really well trained. These three efforts are combined, well-synchronized efforts that succeeded to create a situation in which the Israelis are really threatened by the rockets and the tunnels that could lead uh, attacks against Israeli settlements inside Israel. To summarize that aspect, we are speaking about a real a military organization, even though Hezbollah, not Hezbollah, Hamas is not recognized as a, a state or the military organization is not well defined as a, a well ordinary military force, but it is. The other aspect is um, what happened since 2007 in uh, the Hamas revolution, time that they took the regime upon Gaza. Actually, and this is very important because the Israeli government not yet decided whether to recognize it formally or not, that Gaza became de facto a state. It means they have territory, people, military force, and government to control all of them together. The uh, main issue is whether it is uh, in the Israeli interest to recognize what happened de facto, that it is really a threat, it really a state. The main trend that the Europeans and the United States, especially under the, uh, uh, under the administration of Obama president, tried to ignore the situation of Gaza as de facto state. They tried to connect Gaza to Ramallah, to Abu Mazen, every, in every uh, way of trying to solve the problem, the Israeli-Palestinian problem. The main issue is whether the Israeli interest is to keep the disconnection of Gaza and Ramallah or to try to exploit the disconnection for the Israeli interest. Actually, the Israeli government not declare formally what they really want about it. But if we are trying to understand the strategic behind the way in which uh, this government led the uh, Israeli military activity in 2014, and to ask why the Israeli government didn't give an order to IDF to conquest all Gaza, it means that there is a presumption that the disconnection between Gaza and Ramallah is good for the Israeli interest. I can explain that. And it is very important to us to understand the advantages of this disconnection. In a way, it is the most important outcome from Israeli interest that came 
from the disengagement that led by Sharon in 2005. I actually was the division commander in responsibility to uproot the Jews from Gaza. Why it is uh, important to Israel to recognize this disconnection as an Israeli interest? First, because the people in Gaza and people in Judea and Samaria are not the same people. They are not the same families. They traditionally uh, belonged to different uh, network of uh, relationships. The people in Gaza actually uh, born and brought uh, connections in the line of what was called Via Maris, the main ancient road from Egypt to Mesopotamia to Iraq. Not at all connected to the mountains of Hebron, Jerusalem, uh, Nablus, two different people. And why it is important to disconnect them? Because Gaza are much more oriented to Egypt than to Nablus and Jerusalem. And the connection between them is a threat to Israel, and Rabin uh, was aware about that. When he understood the meaning of the obligation to build a road to connect Gaza to Hebron, he really got an anxiety. And what happened from the disconnection is that it is important to the Israelis to keep this disconnection. Another point is that right now, after more than seven years of Hamas regime, they are absolutely equipped with a lot of military experience. This equipment, if it will succeed to come to Judea and Samaria, it will change the whole modus operandi of uh, the situation between IDF and Palestinians in Judea and Samaria. It means not only weapons, it is the knowledge and the expertise that really uh, succeeded in Hamas uh, to collect a lot of experience. So for me, in my attitude, I agree that the disconnection is an Israeli interest. Another point that we must understand, just looking to the history, to take what happened with the Marmara, uh, this uh, uh, fleet of Turkish uh, vessels uh, came to Gaza to support them, and the battle in the sea to prevent them from succeeding to arrive to Gaza, uh, I myself was in an opposition in the general staff because I concluded, I understood that time, that we are acting according to a John Kerry strategy. It means that we are preventing these uh, uh, vessels from coming to Gaza because we want to strengthen Abu Mazen and to weak Hamas. In my point of view, we need exactly the opposite. Because the main threat for me is not from Gaza, it is from Abu Mazen. Because the Palestinian state in 67 border, according to Clinton agreement or Clinton uh, um, proposal, is really dangerous to the existence of Israel. I know better to deal with Hamas than to deal 
with a thread that could come out if Judean Samaria will come a kind of another Gaza much more closer to Tel Aviv. Therefore, for me, it is better uh, to just disconnect Israeli policy from what was known as Obama and John Kerry policy. It means it is the Israeli interest to deal with Gaza differently from Ramallah. European Union and part of the past uh, Washington administration yet trying to solve Ramallah and uh, to solve Gaza through Ramallah. But for Ramallah, Gaza is a peripheral territory uh, subsidiary to the needs of uh, the people in Hebron, Ramallah. Therefore, even the money not coming directly from Abu Mazen. What else happened? Abu Mazen, with subversive uh, thinking, stopped the support by money to Gaza. By that, he succeeded to catalyze the struggles, the humanitarian problems in Gaza. In his mind, maybe, he wants the Gaza people to act against Israelis, and by that, to bring the Israeli IDF to conquest Gaza, and what he really wants, that with Israeli soldiers, paying by their Israeli children blood, we will give Gaza to Abu Mazen uh, as a gift. It is not an Israeli interest. Why we have to pay in order to build the two-state solution that is against Israeli interest? At the end, if we, just, if we just try to understand what could be the, bet, the best uh, orientation and strategy for the Israeli policy right now, I think that we must understand what happened since that agreement with Menachem Begin, 1977-1978. Sadat was very clever to throw Gaza lonely to the hands of Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin. Instead of bringing Gaza to be part of the Egypt responsibility, it was thrown to the Israeli responsibility by all means. It means water, electricity, medicine, food, and of course, uh, work. And I'm asking, and I wrote about that uh, several articles, even just right now, one of them in the Besser Center, you can find it. I call it three-state solution. We must bring the international community to the awareness that what's going on between Israeli authorities, Israeli people, and Palestinian authority in Judea and Samaria, that more than 100,000 Palestinians working in Israel, getting salary, really giving a great contribution to the humanitarian situation in Judea and Samaria, the same must happen between Egypt and Gaza. Why all the expectations for solving Gaza problems are oriented to the Israelis? What about the Egyptians? More, more than that, the open space in Sinai is really a potential that waiting for exploiting it to do something. It could be a very fine 
Palestinian Riviera or Egypt Riviera with a lot of investment that could build the uh, shores between El Arish and Gaza and to build infrastructure, electricity, harbor with a lot of workers coming from Egypt and uh, Gaza. This could be a great hope for the people. It will change uh, the orientation. It is actually a paradigm shift, not only by changing the center of gravity from Ramallah to Gaza, not only by waiting for the solution of Gaza after the solution of uh, the demands of Abu Mazen, it is to begin with Gaza, and the more than that, it is a paradigm shift from the premise that all the solution must uh, happen in the territory that was the British mandate. It means only in the borders of uh, the land of Israel. Why not to open the borders uh, to Sinai that is, that, that is absolutely empty and could be the great potential for the future of Gaza? If we are succeeding to do something like that, it could really change the whole uh, uh, situation, speaking about two-state solution and uh, a viable state, because in Judea and Samaria, no possibility for... Okay, that uh, is my summary, okay? Okay, go ahead, continue. And uh, now it is waiting. I know that um, the delegators of President Trump, Mr. Greenblatt and Kushner, are really trying to convince uh, Arab states like Saudi Arabia and uh, uh, the Gulf states to help uh, Gaza lonely, not uh, di uh, directly to Gaza and not from Abu Mazen. And the Palestinians are really threatened by that. And the Egyptians, especially President Sisi, not yet understanding the mutual uh, benefit for all the people in the region with a kind of new cooperation between Egypt and Gaza. And it is a great future for Sinai. They're waiting from generations to new development and new investment. Now, right now, it is an Israeli interest. It is yet not really declared formally, and maybe it is better not to declare it formally. It is better that it will come from the international community and from our state. I'm ready now to questions, okay? Thank you, General. Um, I see that there are no questioners in the queue. I'm going to ask the first question. General, there is a report. There are reports of a plan, uh, an Israel-U.S. government uh, plan, to develop a dock, uh, a port in Cyprus, and that it would be a um, a port that could handle Gaza goods with Israeli monitoring to make sure there's no weapons smuggling. And the Israeli conditions are that there, uh, the remains of two Israeli soldiers and three captured civilians be returned. Um, what is your opinion about that uh, prospect? 
and as well, uh, I had also read that one of uh, Abbas's objections, amongst his many others, is that he's concerned that Mohammed Dahlan, who is his rival, is, an, uh, as I believe, in the UAE now, is very close with Sisi. And he's, his objections are that this will benefit uh, Dahlan. So can you comment on those two points? Yes, there are two uh, different questions. Yes. Personally, I think that the port uh, harbor in uh, Cyprus is not at all a hope for the Palestinians, because actually all of what they need coming from the harbor in Ashdod to them. What's the difference between Ashdod to Cyprus? The hope of a new harbor could be a change if it is supplying a lot of jobs. Who will come from Gaza to work in Cyprus? Especially why to do that if there are so many nice places open for building a harbor between Gaza and El Arish, or why not to do that in El Arish? Why in Cyprus? More than that, uh, the whole inspection about weapons is not enough, because a lot of other parts that are not at all considered to be weapons are part of what could endanger Israel. For example, a sport part for diving. It could be just a, a very civilian a, a devices for diving. Why to prevent them? They are absolutely a, demand, demanded by the marine commando of the Hamas. They want to a, get the capability to attack Israel from the sea by commando. So a lot of variable uh, uh, civilian uh, materials are not at all inspected and yet could be dangerous for Israel. Uh, so who will decide what could be considered as a, a weapon? Today, even the uh, materials for agriculture, like phosphate or other chemical uh, uh, materials uh, could be immediately materials for building uh, rockets uh, and bombs, uh, but they are civilians. The same about iron pipes that you, everyone knows today how they could be transformed to rockets. So I, so I don't know how really Cyprus could be a hope for the Palestinians and for the Israelis. Why I, be, I believe that it is better to work about connection between Sinai and Gaza, even not by demanding the Egyptians to give up sovereignty, maybe in a kind of leasing the territory or keeping it in the in, in Egyptian territory, but to work in a kind of federation with Gaza people. A lot of creative uh, ideas could come to support that. It is because it is really a, a source of jobs for a lot of people, and that's what we really need. About uh, the other question, about the Khlan, of course Abu Mazen don't want any um, strengthening of this disconnection between Gaza and Judea and Samaria, because he's understanding very well that by that, uh, his power to demand a, a whole state in 67 border in Judea and Samaria, including a capital in Jerusalem, will be less 
powerful to demand it. I wish that uh, that exactly this trend will uh, be the main uh, solution and not something like uh, two states living side by side together in an everlasting peace because nothing is everlasting and uh, a state in 67 border including a division of Jerusalem is impossible from the Israeli point of view. So it is better to first solve Gaza people problem. There are more than 2 million people and even if Abu Mazen will not succeed or not will not want to go ahead with a, another solution, we can, if it will be necessary, offer the Palestinian in Judea and Samaria to get uh, Israeli citizens if they want and one state uh, between the Jordan and the sea will be Israel and another state with Gaza and Sinai will be the Palestinian state. This is in my mind the idea and if you heard about Benjamin Anthony, he calls that the new, uh, the new state solution. Thank you, General. And I see that we have a caller in the queue. So, Joanne, could you please introduce them? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Caller, uh, please begin speaking when you hear your line is unmuted. Uh, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so. Thank you. What to do exactly? Uh, uh, there's a caller coming in. <clears throat> yes, there's a question for you, General. Go ahead, Mr. Gould. Yes. Uh, this is Larry Gould. My question is this. As long as the ultimate goal of Hamas is destruction of Israel, if Hamas retains control of Gaza, isn't that a major obstacle to any peaceful resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Yes, I think that the idea of a, a, a absolute solution is a dream. In, as well as a, not only Hamas are against a real peace. I think that even Abu Mazen is not for a real peace. The difference, the main difference between Hamas and Fatah between uh, Yihya Sanwar in one side, Hamas, and Abu Mazen in the Palestinian Authority is not about the, that uh, they are against peace and Abu Mazen is uh, supporting peace. It is just about the main strategy and tactical uh, measures to achieve their goals. Abu Mazen realized after 2004 when he replaced Arafat that the struggle by military force and suicide bombers is not leading the Palestinians to their to, to any achievement, exactly the opposite. Therefore, he just transformed the strategy to get what he can get from the roadmap, from the, the international community, and it is not at all to really promise the Israelis what they really want, peace. Uh, even the, the main uh, problem that he was demanded by Prime Minister Netanyahu to declare that the other state, the Israeli state, will be accepted as a Jewish state and he is not accepting to do that, to say that. So both of them are not at all uh, really ready to accept the existence of Israel as a Jewish state in this region. 
And therefore, I prefer Hamas upon Abu Mazen because Abu Mazen is tricky, he's nice, and the international border, international community uh, really believing him that he wants peace, and Hamas are really speaking more honestly. Even if they are speaking about something like ceasefire, they are calling that Hudna, it means it is interim until the situation will change because religiously they are not allowed to uh, declare peace with the Jews. At the end, about your question, uh, if this is the situation, what the Israeli interest is, is not to find a real way to peace, it is to find how to handle the situation in the best way in order to achieve the Israeli interest. Therefore, uh, to realize and recognize that in Gaza there is already a facto state, and to treat this state as we are treating a state, if they are making troubles, we can just declare war against them because they have military force. And if they want to be in another kind of behavior, they will get a lot of support from Israel. This is very simple uh, offer to them. And we can live with that. Thank, Thank you, you, General. Okay. Uh, General, there is one more question in the queue. Do you have time to take that? Yes, I can. Okay, please go ahead, Joanne. And go ahead, caller. Hi, this is Linda Caro. I'm wondering if Turkish control of the OIC factors into the Arab strategy on Gaza at this point. General, did you hear the question? No, 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 no. Can you repeat the question because I couldn't really get it? Oh, yes. Okay. Can you repeat it? Speak up, please. Linda, please repeat Hello? your question. Just say it more loudly, please. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You? I had a little speaker that I didn't realize had the microphone in it. Ah, okay. Um, please repeat or maybe. Or maybe, Merlin, if you got the question, can you yes. repeat it to me? Yes, no, she, she's more clear now. Go ahead, Linda. Uh, yes, my question is, uh, is on Turkey and how their control of the OIC might factor into the Arab strategy on Gaza. Oh, this is a very interesting question. And even it is important to understand the trouble uh, about getting ceasefire uh, in uh, the last war, like 2014 or 2012. The main issue is whether to trust the Turkish to mediate, to be mediator between Israelis and the Hamas or the Egyptians. Of course, at the moment, the Israelis are beginning to speak with the Turks. Uh, the Egyptians are uh, getting angry about that because they are rivals. The Egyptians' interest in the region are absolutely uh, not going together with the Turks' uh, interest. And we, in order to understand that, we must uh, uh, go back to the 19th century. Uh, the ruler of uh, Egypt, Muhammad Ali, succeeded to conquest Jerusalem and to come uh, to the north of Syria to Halab against the Ottoman and British and Ottoman power 
demolish uh, the Egyptian power military force near Khalab. It was in uh, 1840 or something like that. It means they are two superpower or, or regional power in the territory, and they are intentioned from decades and uh, centuries about the influence they could lead to Palestine or to Israel. And a lot of uh, competition uh, aspects could be recognized in Jerusalem as well. Turks are working among the Palestinians in Jerusalem to support them even in the Mount of Temple in order to exemplify their uh, uh, sensitivity and responsibility to what's going on in this land. Uh, I think that right now the Egyptians are more important and more powerful uh, and actually uh, in 2014 they brought the ceasefire and uh, in the all last engagement they succeeded to be very effective mediators. Okay? Thank you, General. Uh, we've come to the end of our time today. The Middle East Forum extends its thanks to our participants for calling in and to our guest speaker, General Gershon HaKohen, for giving us the benefit of his time and expertise to offer his perspective on our topic. This concludes our conference call. General, you may still stay on the line. Okay, thank you. And it is really not easy to do it like that, but maybe better than nothing. Uh, it was uh, an excellent presentation, and we learned a lot. Thank you.